One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Charles Ellsworth, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. If you're not familiar with me, that's all right. You're definitely not the only one. I'm a songwriter first, musician second, somewhere down the line filmmaker. Pretty much I just like to tell stories. Some people have called me a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I'm definitely semi-professional at everything I do. Nothing single-handedly makes me a living, but it all adds up to getting by. Hey, Dirtbags, how's it going? Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, welcome to episode eight, I believe, of the of A Dirtbags Guide to Life on the Road. Yes, I remember the name of my show. Um, why do you ask? There goes one of my neighbors with loud music, but, you know, part of what happens when you live in Brooklyn. Um, this episode is interviewing my friends Bob Fleming and Don Williams of Bob Fleming and the Cambria Iron Company. And uh, these are... Um, highway friends that I've actually never, our paths haven't even crossed. We just met via the internet and we have a lot of mutual friends. Brian McPherson, who was on the second episode of the show, is a mutual friend. They know Quinlan, who we talk about quite a bit, and uh, also my buddy David Hot down in Virginia. So that was a great episode. I want to get into it pretty quick. Um, we, it was just really cool talking to some kindred spirits about how much we love rock and roll and what it means to us and, you know how we've decided to dedicate our lives to being on the road or whatever that looks like. And, uh, it's, it's really cool to meet two people who have found each other and on this journey and, and are just kind of on similar paths and seem to be really kicking ass together and really interesting folks. I can't wait to meet them in person and hopefully play some shows with them down the road. Um, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for all the support of the show. If you haven't yet, one way you can really help me out is just leaving a review in the Apple Podcast app. Um, leave me a rating and a review, and it just means a lot. It helps us out in their algorithm and to get noticed by new listeners. Another way you can help me out that wouldn't uh, cost you anything is just wherever you listen to music, uh, you can stream my music. That makes a big difference. Add my songs to any playlist that you listen to regularly, and that'll just help me out in the algorithm as well as just make me little fractions of a penny every time they get played and right now without being able to play live music a half of my income has just kind of disappeared and I'm trying to figure out how to make up for that you know and not to you know a lot of people are going through this not to make this about me um but you know that's just one way that doesn't really cost you anything if you already have a membership that would help me out another thing if you got if you one of those folks that are able to work from home or able to keep your job through all of this um i've got a patreon that is a great way to support the show and one of the easiest ways for you to make sure them you get the biggest bang for your buck the most money goes into my pocket and gets turned around into making more stuff like the show paying for hosting licensing distributing the new record um marketing it it's there's all kinds of expenses that go into running an operation like this and uh you know my patreon my patrons over at patreon really help that um and make it make sure it can all happen so thanks so much those of you that are supporting and getting to hear these episodes early as well as seeing some q a videos and things like that pop up um 
you don't know about, about Patreon, go check it out, patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth, and you can see what I'm doing over there. Let's see, last but not least, uh, the new record is finished, and um, I'm trying to order vinyl today. Hopefully I can finally make that happen, fingers crossed. Uh, got the first um, single coming out next month, and it's kind of not the best single for... I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that. Um, that's a weird way to lead off. It's it's not the song that I was planning on releasing first, to be honest. But my plan all along was for the record to come out before the election, um, because there are some political leanings in the song, or just kind of, you know, or in the record, just kind of saying how I feel about things. And uh, because of COVID and a bun- and things just taking way longer than you plan on, because that's just how it goes. Um, the record's been delayed to where it won't be out until February. So I wanted to make sure this song came out before the election. It's called Blessed. Um, and I, I, I'm really excited about it. I know I say I'm really excited about a lot of things, but uh, I don't write a whole lot of like straight up political songs. And this is as close to a protest song as I've ever written. I think it kind of just says where I'm at and where a lot of people I agree with are at. And, um, you know, about how we should all, be kind of trying to come together in these times as opposed to, um, you know, trying to find a scapegoat or someone to think that all of our problems are coming from and just put all of our effort into making their lives miserable. Um, that all being said, I'm going to let you get to the podcast and uh, hear what I had to say in the conversation I got to have with uh, my friends Bob Fleming and um, Don Williams of Bob Fleming and the Cambria Iron Company. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. This is Chuck, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. I've got my friends Bob, uh, Bob Fleming and Don Williams of Bob Fleming and the Cambria Iron Company here. How you guys doing? Good, man. We're good. <laughs> cool. Good to hear it. <laughs> How are you doing? Um I'm I'm all right. It's been a weird day, but a good day overall. I was upstate fishing the past couple of days with my brother, and uh, anytime I leave for two days, I come home and my life seems like chaos. And then it takes me a few hours to be like, "It's fine. You're okay. Quit freaking out." So <laughs> everything's normal. This is fine. <laughs> You're not as important as you like to think you are. Like you have five text messages and you're freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> But I really lean hard into like two days of no text messages. So five seems like a lot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't want to let you guys interview me because that will happen very easily. <laughs> so I, wanna, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, your band. We don't really know each other super well, but we're friends of friends like Quinn Lynn and David Hot and people that I know have played music with you all and I've listened to your record a whole bunch and I really love it and I want to say your record Mother Mary that's the title right yeah, yeah it came I really out dig a, it a, a, sorry go ahead oh sorry it came out a year ago yesterday actually or two, two days, days ago. ago yesterday oh really yeah that's cool this is great timing for the episode then for sure I mean the episode won't especially be out until next since week. We haven't got to really tour it hardly at all. Like we got a couple of tours in for that album and then the pandemic hit. So no more. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, um, I, I know where I'm sitting on a new record that I was planning on like releasing 
like touring all summer and releasing end of summer. And uh, now I'm just like, well, I guess we'll sit on it for a little bit just to like <laughs> close that gap between when I release it and when I can actually tour it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of wild. And I, I, I really want to talk to you guys more about that. And we should just jump right into it about like, how have your lives changed due to COVID or what, what's going on with y'all? How have you been handling it since, I mean, March, it's been almost, it's been six months now. So it's been, we were actually on tour in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, was the last show we played in March and we canceled the last four or five dates and just kind of drove straight home. That was when everything was really starting to lock down and. Yeah, it was way early in March, and we thought, well, we actually left at the end of February, I think, and we were like, oh, this is going to be fine. You know, we don't like, to, don't come talk to me anyway, man. Uh, but uh, by the time we yeah. got to Tulsa, it became really obvious that it was not going to be a thing that was just over with quickly. Yeah, that that's insane. I talked to my buddy, Brian McPherson was also on tour when this all went down. We and love I Brian. Imagine. Oh, you know, Brian. <laughs> yeah. He's a friend of the podcast, friend of the show. <laughs> um, he's a good dude. And I can't imagine having been on the road. And uh, when all this went down, I was in the studio recording when it happened, but that was kind of just like, well, we're already pretty much quarantined. So we just, <laughs> focused more on the record and tried not to let the what was going on outside affect us too much you know? right like all right boys lock the doors this is where we're staying for a while <laughs> yeah pretty much it was like okay well I, there's no i'd rather be locked in for 10 days than a music studio for all right. sure. a really great producer it was the, the record turned out great because of it but it was also a very un, unexpected thing you know none of us could have imagined what the world was going to look like right well we I was all talking to my brother gonna... Or, okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's the, the the delay makes for uh makes for fun conversations. Um but it's it just like kind of how the like we're comparing what's going on kind of to like the birds, Alfred Hitchcock. Have you seen that? Yes. I have not. And Probably you, not, baby oh, Bob. There's like a a I mean a bunch of iconic scenes, but like there's a scene where the the birds are just kind of lining up on telephone wires and it's before they've like attacked anyone or done anything. And it's kind of like this just really creepy and really weird. And my brother and I were talking about how like walking around New York city and seeing people with masks on is like in a weird way. Like if I had just been shown footage of now somehow like a year ago, I'd, it'd have been like, it would have seemed like this weird dystopian movie thing i don't know it's yeah like that's the that's the new cool horror movie (laughs) yeah it's it's insane so i'm glad you guys are doing all right you're staying healthy you being have you has it led to being able to write more or are you having trouble writing and Uh, and... i've actually gotten pretty lucky with that Uh, we've got the entire new record written end to end it's it's pretty much ready to record and we've got some time booked in december to do that but um, yeah, I've, I'm immunocompromised. I'm type one diabetic and I get sick if you look at me wrong. So when I say oh, no. I pretty much have not left this house since the middle of March, I really have not left this house pretty much at all. Uh, so I, I, I'll sit here and I'll be sad for a while. Um, and then I'll play guitar for four or five hours a day and write. 
And honestly, that's been the biggest thing is I feel like I've learned more playing guitar in the last six months than I've learned in the last 20 years of playing guitar, which is that's... still very minimal. I, I, I'm not a fantastic guitar player, but I feel like I've, I've learned a lot about it at least. You found your silver lining. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can relate. I've been playing for about 20 years now, and uh, it, it was only until recently that I'm like, oh, I actually kind of know my way around this thing now. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I can really, that's great that you've been able to lean into it as like a productive, you know, being able to write and put your, your thoughts and just all of that, that weird anxiety building up into something that's, I think that's really productive that, and kudos to you for doing that. I'm, I'm excited about it. It's definitely been a cool experience sitting down and just, there's nothing else to do right now. So, I mean, I literally, I just, I sat down and I started writing. And slowly over the course of a couple of weeks, knocked out all the basic songs of it. And then was lucky enough to be able to work with the rest of the band. And me and Don have gone up there and worked with them a little bit mm-hmm. on it. And it's, it's about ready to go. It was a, that's, that's awesome. And what's your, what's your writing process like? Or like Don, do you, does like Bob start writing the songs and bring them to you later on or what, how, how do y'all work together? And like, what, what, what is your relationship as far as um, working together artistically been like, and how's that grown? Um, so the first, like this last one that they put out mother Mary, I feel like so many of those songs Bob had already written. Like he had an album, mother Mary that he was trying to record when we first met. And so not all of those songs are the same songs, but like, it was all really just Bob wrote all these songs and the rest of us came in and we're like, how do we work with this? Right. So mm-hmm. this time around, I've really been there for a lot of the, the writing and stuff, but I am <clears throat> still working on like, I'm a writer of stories and I'm still working on how that translates into music for me. So it's almost more okay, like, cool. <sighs> I don't even want to use the words editing process, but Bob will be like, here, this is what I'm working on right now. Like, let me play it for you or let me send you the lyrics or whatever. And occasionally I can be like, oh, what if we did this like this? Or what if you said it like this instead? And little things like that. And then more so when we start actually doing them with the band and trying to figure out how, you know, to put our vocals together and what I can do that's not just very boring, singing along. Like, what can we add to this if we're going to use if we're going to do two voices in a song like how do we make it really cool and dynamic totally and how how do we put our own signature and stamp on it um exactly not just two people singing right right when what's wild is like i i, um so many people that are just like kind of passive listeners of music or not even like not even passive but just like even fans of music may not realize that there's actually something really to that, like two voices singing together and like, like creating a, a, a brand or like a, a way in which the two of you sing together. Brand is kind of like a weird, gross word, but you know what I mean? Like uh, totally. Sound, sound yeah. is the word that, I, you know, and it's not just two people singing together. Yeah. And I feel like we really didn't even fully comprehend that when we started singing together, we were like, Oh, it'll be fun. We can do this. And then we yeah. kind of, learned as we went and I think that that helps develop a more kind of unique 
brand or style or whatever because it's not just I didn't we didn't go just learn how to sing and then be like okay we can do it together now and it sounds good like we learned our voices and how to put them together on the road together doing it take it to you Mike. Oh, yeah yeah no that's I mean that's been my entire career like I've been a traveling musician since I was 19 years old but like really I just wanted to see the country uh, you know yeah like I think I've be- music's been a cool but man like I love tour now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, driving around and just being a different person every night and like nobody having no consequences is kind of <laughs> you're a pirate. Yeah. Right. My roommate, Jericho Davidson, who was the first guest on this show, he he's just like there was no other way to be a pirate growing up besides to play rock and roll music. So I was going to fucking do that. Hell yeah. Right. Rock and roll or die. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I've uh like I said, we haven't actually met in person, but based on your record and the, the people that I know that speak well of you, I'm like, I think we'd get along pretty well. Same here. It's like, I, <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier, like how many people that I see on Facebook every day that I'm like, man, they seem so cool. Like, and then I think about it, like, I have no idea who this person <laughs> is and I've never met them, but oh, yeah. I, I feel what you're saying, like 100%. Yeah, it's uh, even like friends on Facebook who's like, I've been friends with this dude since we smoked a J outside of a show six years ago. I haven't seen him (laughs) since, but I've liked about 90% of his Facebook posts in the past six years. Yes. I'm not near you uh, physically, brother, but I feel you. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm fucking with you. Yeah, I... uh, I do love this, like, um, I like to sometimes say it's like the triple the A ball of, like, Americana music, that like that network we're in where, like, <laughs> we just got kind of the same friends all around the country. And every once in a while, like, one of your friends puts out a record that, like, gets a bunch of attention and they kind of, like, move up to the big leagues and you're like, fuck, yeah, good for those good guys. Good for you, man. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think that would definitely be, like... That's a very Sarah Shook thing for me because I started watching her play like lots and lots of years ago um, just around North Carolina, even if it was just like her and the guitar or, you know, her and Pete and somebody else. And now to like Mm -hmm. watch them really just blow up into something cool that, you know, people all across the country are like really paying attention to is super awesome. I'm pretty sure it's her birthday yeah. today too. Happy birthday, Sarah! Hey, happy birthday, Sarah! Happy Shirt. birthday! Yeah, no, that's she's someone who just came onto my radar a few years ago through like you know just by being on Bloodshot Records because sure. obviously I'm going to pay attention to that roster and then I started catching and listening to that and I, and I now it, what's funny also is the whole AAA ball joke I like to make is that like. There's no one I know that's like, quote unquote, made it or making it that hasn't been at it for 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's like, I hear of Sarah Shook two years ago, but there's a history of a decade that I don't know anything about. Oh, for sure. And that's, uh, and that's what I I mean, I I like to put a draw a light on that and kind of show that to a lot of the listeners of the show who might not realize that like, even a band the size of like the Black Keys, like the first time you heard of them, I guarantee they were playing together for at least like five plus years before that. And I don't even know the black keys very well at all. It's just like a big band that popped into my head for sure. And it's fun. It's kind so, of funny. Cause like a lot of times, especially like you said with the black keys, like artists on that level, it's almost like once they do finally make it, it's like their slates wiped clean and you never hear about anything from before that ever again. Yeah. 
Oh, that's really yeah. true. Like, that there are no weird. videos popping up of the Black Keys playing, like, some crappy bar in the middle of nowhere to, like, four people. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. But that's but then they wouldn't be, like, the guys from the Ford commercials, you know? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's why they popped into my head because I saw a funny meme about <laughs> I thought of you because I was making fun of you. Low selling shows yeah. don't sell F one fifties. True. Yeah. That's for, that's for sure. Whatever I'm doing doesn't sell F one fifties because I haven't heard a goddamn thing from Ford. We're more in the, the selling day woo uh we're in the selling yeah. day woo's category. We're definitely oh, yeah. more I'm, like a used car. <laughs> Yeah, I'm selling. I'm selling like a '93 Corolla, like fucking reliable, but like yeah. kind of a one-trick pony. Yeah, there's a local buy here, pay here lot that would love to use this in a commercial. Hell yes! Oh man, kindred spirits. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so I want to kind of jump back because I think because speaking of that, ten years of history or, or everything, it's like I, there's got to be so much about you both that. Um, to, to get to know. And I want to like, where are you, where are you both from? Um, how did you meet, uh, you know, and you can take your time with this or take these as separate questions, but I, tell me a little bit about your backgrounds. You want to go first? Uh, sure. I'm uh, originally from South Carolina. I grew up in the Spartanburg Chesney area, which is kind of where Bob and I uh, live now. And then uh, I cut out of here as quickly as I possibly could. And I moved a bunch of places. I lived a lot of places when I first left uh, because I moved a lot. And then I settled in North Carolina because it's the best, easily the superior Carolina. Better on top. Uh, Okay. And I lived there for um, 10 years or more. Um, And while I was up there, my best friend, PLP, actually my wife, Wendy story we started a, a burlesque duo troupe together um and i'd been doing that for probably seven years or so when bob and I, like well mm-hmm. i guess we'd kind of met a couple of times before like in passing at the bar or whatever um but i had just come back from actually wendy and i had uh went to alaska and did a tour out there with uh sam bones and call me bronco and i had to quit my job to go do it because jobs are stupid and tour is cool. And so Mm -hmm. I quit my job and we drove across the country and drove to Alaska and did that tour and came back. And I was uh, sleeping in my car in a friend's driveway because she had helped me get a job and I didn't have enough uh, money to drive back and forth to where I lived. It was like a 30 minute drive. And I was like, I'm just going to live in, you know, I just spent three or four weeks living in Honda element. I can do it for another couple of weeks till I get a paycheck. So I was sleeping in my car in her driveway and went to a show that my friends uh, Red Necromancer were playing and Bob was opening up and like, I don't even remember how we got to this point in the night. We were just like wasted on his porch (laughs) drinking like rolling rock (laughs) and we ended up holding hands. And then that was like, what, June? And then by December we were on tour. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a, great story can i can you tell me more about like what that tour was like or was that your the one where you went to alaska like what was that um, your first tour what um we had what, done what kind of show were you doing you said it was a burlesque duo yeah yeah it was just two of us and uh we made a full show with just two people which is harder than it sounds sometimes 
No, that sounds um, very impressive. <laughs> and uh, so we had done a couple of small runs before that, like just little weekend stuff, me and her. And uh, I had toured with other bands before, either like doing merch or just like tagging along for a couple of shows or whatever. And uh, we had both uh, worked merch at, you know, different festivals and stuff. So it was just kind of all already there and a part of it. And that's doing those festivals and other things is how we ran into the opportunity to go to Alaska. So um, we drove, we packed up my little Honda Element with all of our props and sequins and, you know, stuff like that. And we drove from North Carolina across the U.S. through Canada to Fairbanks, Alaska in six days, which is a really, really long drive. (laughs) Uh, That's like a quarter of the planet. (laughs) I I don't, not really, but that's, that is far. It's really far. And we, I, we're definitely like being held together by like our hopes and dreams and some insanely good luck because like we were not fully aware of what that trip would be like we were like we can drive we don't care we like it it'll be fun um and once you hit the alaska highway you know there's like there's really not anything out there like you have so many miles between each little small tiny town that has like one gas station and one hotel and one grocery store and they're probably all the same building Uh and so and also we're both montana can be that way a little bit, but like much smaller. Like yeah, Montana, yeah. Everything's big yeah, it in was Montana and like, Alaska. Everything's like 10 times bigger than that. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so we had a lot of fun, honestly, with that because you would stop places and people were like, what the hell are you doing out here? You know, <laughs> and we would yeah. tell them and they're like, oh, well, let, so, you know, we'd stop. We mostly slept in the car. We stopped a couple of times and just like eating food that at restaurants and stuff and talking to the people that worked there because at the time we were traveling there weren't that many people coming through it was like just the beginning of kind of the warmer months up there uh Mm -hmm. so they were like i don't know what so they had time to like sit down and chill with us and chat and talk and so it was like you know we stopped at one bed and breakfast that I remember all the guy, all the people that came there, I guess, worked in oil fields or what have you. So they were always yeah. like dirty and their boots were muddy and da da da. So when we came in the door, there was just like this big sign that's like overalls and boots left at the door. And we were like, uh, should I take my shoes off? I guess. Okay. Yeah. And so we were just like what, in our socks. What do I do with feet. my sidearm? <laughs> we're just like hanging out in our socks, having like eggs and potatoes. And also, we're both vegetarian, so um, that w- we ate a lot of eggs and potatoes on that trip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, out on the Alaska Highway, it's a very meat-heavy um, situation. And we, we brought, like, snacks and stuff, but we didn't bring, like, actual food of sustenance, which is not a thing. If you ever dr- make that drive, it's beautiful. I highly suggest it. You need gas cans, and you need to bring your own food. <laughs> okay. That's I, I'm actually writing that down because I'm, I'm like, this sounds great. If they let us back into Canada, I might just yeah. do this at some point. <laughs> if we're ever allowed back in, we've behaved pretty badly, so we'll have to see. Um, but we made it to Fairbanks, <laughs> and the very like we landed and we had a show that night. Actually, no, that's a lie. We got to Fairbanks, and my car had the battery in my car had been trying to die for like the last hour or more, and uh, so we slept in an advanced auto parking lot. So that we could buy a battery the next day and then go to our show. Oh wow! 
and uh, uh yeah so we we yeah. played with two other bands and we just kind of structured it like uh, originally they were like you guys can go between like every set and sometimes it would be like uh, one person from the band is like doing a solo set and then we have to do burlesque and then the band plays and then we have to do burlesque and then Sam would do a solo set and then burlesque and it was like, you guys, I cannot change pasties this many times. Yeah. In this short amount of time, my nipples will fall off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we worked it out over the course of that and um, it was it was a really, really great experience. Alaska is really, really cool. It's definitely its own it's its own place. It's only vaguely kind of part of the United States. They're like, I guess we'll stay here. Yeah, I I um got the opportunity to go there when I was a kid. I was like ten years old, and it it I and that you know I I don't remember it that well. But what I remember is it just being like this is this is bonkers. Like everything is like Mount McKinley is the most the largest thing I've ever seen. And I'm 500 miles from it. Right. right. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And, but the, the scale of everything is really insane. And like the amount of, you know, wildlife that we saw, like from bison to bears to, you know, a moose, like running alongside of the car and stuff. We were like, what is happening? And so somebody was riding with us, Sam was riding with us, and she was like, you might want to slow down. Sometimes they run in front of cars, and, like, right as we slowed <laughs> down, it, like, veered into the road. And I don't know if you guys know this, but moose are huge, like, insanely oh, yeah. huge. Like, it was larger than my car. It'd be like hitting a Chevy Suburban. Right. <laughs> yeah. And oh, then the Suburban sure. gets up and kicks your ass. Right. The Suburban's pissed. Yeah. I, was, um, I was a ski bum in a former life, and... Uh, one time I was well snowboarding down the mountain and in Utah and a moose was running full speed on the, the hill, like next to me. Oh my God. About 20 feet away. And I was just like, this is amazing. And then I was like, this is terrifying. And I just got as far away from it as I could as quickly as possible. This so. is so majestical. I'm going to shit my pants, man. Like yeah. Dinosaur deer. Oh, for sure. It, uh, they're, they're insane, but they're also majestic. Very and much. Should be, you should keep your distance. <laughs> you should a, definitely keep your distance. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners to this show, watch out for moose and keep your distance. <laughs> All I ask of you. We're going to add that to the list of Dirtbags Guide's rules. We'll have an episode about the rules one of these days. Perfect. Yes. Uh, I, that's, and during, during that time, Don, um, I want to jump to Bob here quickly, but like, can you tell me any... Um, specific like rule of the road or like thing you realized about being on the road and that experience that you're you're like i i learned this and i won't ever forget it for the next time i'm doing something that crazy or if i'm if someone i know is doing something like that you do not need as many of those clothes as you packed oh 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 yeah that's that's and especially that tour in particular because like we had clothes for us we had clothes for costumes and we brought like every prop that we could possibly ever even think of like big obnoxious things and it yeah you the first time you go on tour you're gonna pack more clothes than you need i promise you mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. par it down yeah unless you're like you drink really heavily and then just forget sh large amounts of shit because <laughs> there's been times i've left on tour when I used to drink and like, I'm, I don't know, I'm getting dressed the next day after day one. And I'm like, I forgot underwear. 
cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have I don't have any underwear but the underwear I'm wearing right now. If it's summertime, I just quit wearing underwear. But I um, took a trip out to Wisconsin and it was like kind of warmer weather ish. And it was like, well, I live in the South, so it's summertime. I'm just going to pack a bunch of shorts because that's what. Yeah, totally fine. Shorts. And then I got to Wisconsin and you can wear jeans there in the summertime because it's cold still. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you yeah, you learn those things or the. The classic, my buddy Elliot always talks, he's from San Francisco, and he's like, if you're ever in San Francisco and it gets chilly in the afternoon, just start looking around for, like, whole families of, like, Nor- like Norwegian family tour or families of tourists, and they're all from, like, Norway or Germany, and they're all wearing the same San Francisco sweatshirt because they all <laughs> didn't realize how fucking cold San Francisco could be. <laughs> so they all just spent $35 on the same fucking sweatshirt. <laughs> Whoever made those sweatshirts is doing great. Oh yeah, it's. I, I might move to San Francisco at some point and start selling San Francisco branded sweatshirts. Dude, what a, a <laughs> make great, them slightly different. That's a great for a musician too, because you're already going to make shirts and t shirt and hoodies and stuff. So you yeah. just throw some some local local flair ones in there, and that's like now you got a day job. Oh yeah, while you're while you're uh, um, why am I busking? That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> while you're busking, you can <laughs> you, also sell tourists. Or like t-shirts to tourists. <laughs> Dollar a song, twenty-five a hoodie. Yo, man, we're we should go on tour together and get rich, guys. We're on to something here. This we're on to something here. All right, pandemic, yeah. hurry up! In this is how we make. I it. got a business idea. I need to get out here. <laughs> this is how we're gonna get famous for sure. Um, so speaking of getting famous, Bob, what was your first inclination to start trying to? get famous <laughs> or where are you from and, and when do and we get did, that you know, part let's see we're, we're on the, it's the journey not the destination yeah. journey it's a, it's the long journey it's the long haul um let's see i was born in johnstown pennsylvania um, okay floods a lot there i always say that when i say johnstown but that's where that the johnstown flood from bruce springsteen's fame um I was born there and I immediately moved to York, Pennsylvania, where I lived until I was 12, I think it was. Um, and at that point, I was like, oh, Pennsylvania is the coolest place ever. Like, I-, I love living 20 minutes from Amish country. And like I did. It was awesome. My yeah. parents told me we were moving to North Carolina at that point. So we moved down here. And the only experience I'd ever had with North Carolina was for movies. I remembered in Space Jam. That's where Michael Jordan was from. And that mm-hmm. was cool enough. Um, so we, <laughs> we moved to Greensboro. Um, and at this point, I I was playing guitar. I had never written anything. It was a struggle mm-hmm. to get me to even write my name in school, let alone anything else. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of stayed there and I like listened to punk rock, skateboarded. And, uh, there's some other things. I got sent to a cult wow. for a while, but that of itself would be a very very long story which i'll still tell you at some point um it was yeah, a cult like disguised <laughs> as a teenage recovery from drugs and alcohol yeah. center it was wild um was it in uh was it based in north carolina or was it in utah because i've heard of these things they're in utah. they're all over the place they're uh they're under different names and all of that mine was in north carolina okay but a lot of them are intertwined guy named bob Meehan. 
but uh, hey, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Bob. You're kind of cutting out. I'm hearing you on Don's mic now, but your mic cut out. I think. Uh, give me one oh, second. Okay, the uh, the cables I've got are pretty ragged. I think this one actually came from a venue, so it's been stepped on and like PBR has been spilt in it, and it's seen better days. Um, so it's a road dog like all of us. Exactly, it's been ridden hard and put up wet just like all of us. Um, so honestly, I didn't really start writing music and playing music till I was about twenty three, I think. Okay, yeah. Um, before that, like I'd gone to college to be a mechanic, um, almost graduated. Um, nice. And I was working as a mechanic, and I was 20 years old acting like I was 45, and I hated everything. And then my life kind of just fell apart. And rather than try to rebuild it in that way, I kind of just burned it down and started from scratch. I started working at a tattoo shop in Greensboro. I started bouncing at a bar. And I started writing songs and playing shows as often as possible. That's awesome. 23. So 23. About five. Sit now. It was about. Yeah, I can't. Okay. So about five years ago. Okay. And uh, it was. It's really interesting. You said you were like 20. It would say 20 acting like you were 40. Yeah. And you just hated your life. Yeah. Um I feel like uh that that's what kept me away from that life for so long was just like seeing other people do that or like my parents who was like all you guys have ever done is work and you you don't have shit, you know? Like, right. And that's and it's not your fault it's just cuz like the the way the US has been in the past 30 years hasn't been so working people can hold on to their shit. Right. Um but it was just like I don't I'm I can't give 30, 30 years of my life to like some company or some boss so they can just lay me off when they hit hard times. Exactly. Like I've, I spent so long thinking that I was doing like, this is what's right. Like I, if I don't do this, I'm going to be poor, but I was poor anyways. And I was miserable. <laughs> and like, I'm poor on my Seriously. own terms now, if that makes any yeah, sense. No, <laughs> no, that's God poor on my own terms. That's the name of the episode. If we don't just name it, your guys' names. Um, <laughs> No, but that, it's there's so it's so empowering. Like, uh, and so many people are so terrified of the idea of that mystery. But it's like your life's just as much of a mystery. There's just a facade of security. Right. And I think this year has been nothing but like evidence of that for a lot of people. Oh, like right. our institutions are just failing us left and right. So why the fuck not go play rock and roll when you're allowed to play rock and roll again? Right. Unionize your workplace, <laughs> quit your job, and then join a rock and roll band. Yes, yes. And, you know, if not, and if you're not getting your demands, it seems like whenever we burn down a police station, they actually do something. So my fucking I don't, dude. Know, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, You know, like, I'm not telling anyone to do anything, but like, and I'm not very good at math, but burning down police stations plus or <laughs> asking for something plus burning down police station equals things getting done. I think that. Right. I don't. I don't know. Anyways, I, I no sorry, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> oh no, I can, that's a good distraction though. I ain't no scientist, but I think I like that's that called a correlation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, my mom's gonna love this episode. My dude. Uh, <laughs> hi, mom. My mom recently told me she listened to my podcast, so I got to point out on every episode that she's listening and tell her that I love her. 
Um, cause I really do, but it's just funny to think she's listening. Um, Hi, mom. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I'm getting way off topic, but that's, I mean, it's just really inspiring thing that like, um, I kind of all along just knew, you know, like I went to college to, you know, make my parents happy. And cause that was like what you did. And the, the whole time I'm like, I'm working two jobs just so I can afford to fucking eat. I barely have time to go to college and, or to like go to class. And like, I graduated, um, barely. And, uh, and ever since I've just been like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do the thing that I'm, I'm not going to go get that job that gives me two weeks vacation a year. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll be poor on my own terms. I love that you said that. Right. Um, so you've been kind of, so I, I, what was the inciting incident of you just deciding to, burn your life to the ground if you don't mind unless you know it's something you don't want to talk about um no i'll talk about it. uh i was engaged at the age of like 20 mm-hmm. which was a stupid decision and it's like nothing against like the other person and all that but like after that kind of just fell apart mm-hmm. i looked around and saw like not only was that making me miserable my job at the time was making me miserable the constant need for me to do whatever I think my parents did that would make them proud. Mm-hmm. And I spent so long doing that, that I didn't focus anything on what I needed. So I kind of went full throttle. I just, like I said, I burned it all down. I, I quit a job where I was making $65,000 a year to, for a job that I might make $65 a day if they do enough tattoos. And like, yeah, I let rock and roll ruin my life and it was great. <laughs> And you're you're here telling everyone else that they might want to do a little bit of that. Yeah, I I, th- I fully think that everything in your life you can at least it's not going to get worse. Sorry, you you might cut out again. Oh, sorry, I'm also walking around. He's like pacing the room. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like you know, like whenever like you're on the phone and you have to walk around the house and all of that. It's that same thing. <laughs> Oh no, that's that's totally cool. <laughs> I just want to make sure they can hear what you're saying because I'm really I'm picking up what you're putting down, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely. I think everybody should let rock and roll in their life, and by rock and roll, I mean whatever makes you happy, dude. For sure, and that can be so many things for so many different people. It's just weirdly always been music for me, for sure. And that's that's. That's really cool. So you just started, had, and you you said you kind of always played guitar, but that was when you just first started writing songs. Yeah, I'm like I I played guitar. I took some lessons when I was like six years old for a couple months until I learned like G D C and like A minor, and then I was like, all right, I'm good. That's all I need to know. <laughs> like I learned how to yeah. play. I think I learned how to play an Eagle song, and I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm good. <laughs> I'm set right here. Well, yeah, all they ever did was write hits, so you're not wrong. <laughs> I think it was like Tequila Sunrise was the first from the Eagles was the first song I learned how to play a guitar. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need lessons anymore. And then oh, it's an interesting Eagle song. to Yeah, it was weird. Not the one like, you would like think. a six year old that my parents were like, yeah, yeah I mean, this would be a good one for us to tell your instructor to teach you. But, I didn't know who the Eagles were at six. So kudos to your parents. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I did that. And then after the firestorm. The the tattoo shop I was working at, um, still to this day, best job I've ever fucking had. I loved it. It was Legacy <laughs> Irons Tattoo in Greensboro. All those dudes are still my homies. 
Um, oh, they're yeah. three of the people that work there are in a band called Old Heavy Hands, and they're one of that band name. Oh, they're so good. You'd love them. They're they're great. Okay, but that's how I learned how to write music was hanging out with those dudes. And like before that, I was just it was just all punk rock all the time. Like that was my jam. Still is, but like they introduced me to people like Jason Molina and Jason Isbell, John Moreland, and all these fantastic songwriters that I like at the time when I felt like my life was falling apart. It really made so much sense to me, and that kind of is what inspired me to start writing. Yeah, it's oh man, it's crazy what like a good song, like how much a good song can help you hold it together when everything's falling apart. Oh, yeah, it's uh, I, I had similar similar things that informed me first learning how to write songs. I always wrote like in bands and things like that. And then when like a band I was really serious about and we had spent a lot of time just, it was my, the first band, it was my first love, man. You know, like we, we toured and did all this thing and they were my best friends. And then when that band broke up and it all went to shit, I, it was like going through a divorce and I was like, I'm going to write my own songs now and got really into Lucero and Johnny Cash and then started writing country songs, which is funny because I was the kid that was like raised in the the area where country music was popular. So I fucking hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Same. It's I think, but it's like where, you know, where punks go to die. You know, if you don't stay punk rock forever, (laughs) you eventually get country. Right. It's the punk rock retirement plan. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But it's weird. I've also always worshipped Chuck Reagan. So now I'm like fly fishing and shit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uncle Chuck. So you'll appreciate this talking about Chuck Reagan. The guy who does all of our artwork, he did the artwork for the record. Mother Um, Mary. Mother Mary and a bunch of our shirt designs. Mm -hmm. He used to tour with Chuck and the camaraderie. His name was Devin's Power. And, that um, sounds very familiar. He does great work, but uh, we have a t-shirt design right now. If you give me your address, I'll send you one because we haven't sold anything in like three months now. But it's a the design on it was an unused hot water music uh, design. And Wait, it's what? this like crazy saber tooth tiger. And it just says rock and roll or die on the bottom. And it's got our name on it instead now. So he had like, we had bought our image, you know, our, the, what we used for the album and he, he laid everything out. It was super great. So we came back, we said, Oh, we want to get another design. You know, he said, well, let me send you my like seconds file. So when he sends you files, it's always like two images that you can pick from that he'll run with. So the other image goes into this like seconds file and then it can get shown to other people maybe for like a little bit of a better price. And so we're mm-hmm. looking through these designs that he's made for other people. And it's the one we liked the best, but right. it certainly did not hurt that it was a hot water music design. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're hoping sure. that one day maybe he'll, Chuck Reagan will see it and be like, that seems so familiar. Uh, notice <laughs> me. <laughs> well, dude, that's, that's awesome. Chuck Reagan needs to be intertwined into every single story in my life. Absolutely. Somebody tag him. <laughs> yeah yes somebody tag him just i won't because i've bothered that man enough in, in my life <laughs> yes yeah, somebody jump in the comments right now and be like oh my god chuck reagan they're talking about you oh uh, it's that's so funny um my best friend tyler has been like a diehard hot water music fan since we discovered them in like seventh grade and i think between me and a handful of other friends, we've gotten Chuck Reagan to seeing him happy birthday like three different times because he happened to be playing <laughs> in the town we were in when on Tyler's birthday. 
it, yeah, it's uh, so man that 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 warms my heart. Talking <laughs> of hot water music and Chuck Reagan, um, <laughs> that's well, that's really cool that the this um this whole transition like uh, I don't it. I don't know. I, I don't even know how to put it into words, but it seems like something that a lot of people are faced potentially with these opportunities to kind of just like branch off and go for it. And like my friend Seth, who I talked to this past week, who just barely finally did that. And he's in his mid to late thirties now. And he's like, I'm chicken shit. I've never been the one to like actually do it. I just, I'm going to forever do the thing that I'm told to do. And his advice I believe was like, don't be chicken shit. Just like try it out. Just do it. Don't be afraid to do it. Cause like if you fall, it's going to catch you, you know? And, uh, right. That's really cool that you kind of leaned into it. And so from there, when, what does it, what does it look like? You start touring right away. You make a record. I, I mean, there's so many different ways to, to skin this cat. Um, it went pretty quick. Like I recorded my first EP within like, I think three or four months of, of writing and playing shows. But I mean, at the okay, point, cool. I had like living in Greensboro and this was before I realized that you shouldn't play your every single day or, yeah. or week for that matter. Um, I would play like three or four shows a week because at that point I had like three songs and like four covers and I just want, that's all I wanted to do. Like I was yeah. hooked. So I did that for a while and crazily enough, like people really dug it. Like, I made a bunch of, there was a bunch of people who just kept coming out and like, they'd bring more people and more people to the point that like my EP release show, there was like 70 people at it almost, which was oh, wild. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it blew my mind cause it's always something I've been interested in, but it's always been a thing of like, Oh, real people don't do that. Like, that's not a thing. Like you can't just, you can't just, <laughs> just play music and like, that's not a thing. Well, luckily, you're just three squirrels in a babo suit. Yeah, little yeah. do they know. I'm, I'm, luckily, yeah. they, they must have realized. Um, well, I'm, I'm also a wooden puppet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, from there, like I hit the ground running after that, and and we did it super punk rock too. Like I made all of the sleeves for the EP CDs by hand. Nice. I got like the the artwork made by um, Larry Wayne Slayton at the tattoo shop where I worked. And I, I like folded them all by hand and put them together with a glue stick in the tattoo shop and burned all the oh, yeah. CDs, wrote on them, put them in the thing and sold them um, for a while. And then um, about four or five months after that, I, I went into the studio and recorded my first full length, which is called Heraith. And you can still find it on Bandcamp. It's not on Spotify or anything, but it is on Bandcamp still. And okay. it was... I think 12 songs, just me and an acoustic guitar. And it was recorded in a cabin in mountain city, Tennessee. Um, and I released it and did absolutely nothing with it. I played like two local shows in support of it. And then just went back to getting shit house drunk and playing the same three bars in Greensboro every weekend. Um, okay. <laughs> and I kind of rode that wave for a little while, uh, up until the hey, point what, why was that? Why did you, was there, you know, and this might be getting too into it, but like what I've put out records before that like kind of died on the, the release table or the operating table or whatever. And was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to move on. Like, was there something specific about that record or you were you just like, I just want to party right now. 
I think I was um, just still so new to doing this that I didn't realize that I had to put in extra work after the record was done. Like I didn't, re- I thought it was just, I recorded oh, okay. it and I released it online and like CDs and everything. And now I just have to wait for people to like it. <laughs> yeah, it didn't gotcha. comprehend that like there was still more work, e- arguably more work to do after the record comes yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Cause it's, and um, I've, I've always kind of thought in music in or like albums, maybe not always, but I just had such a young start at doing this, like playing in bands and putting on shows since I was like, I don't know, 16, 17. And so you kind of just figure out, it's like, Oh, this goes in cycles. And like, Oh, we don't, we don't sell all the records at first. Like you, you have to like play shows to sell the records and whatnot. And it's, um, that was like why people kept me around in bands because I was good at selling records. Right. <laughs> Not good at like, I was like the worst <laughs> guitar player. So they threw me on bass and like had me book the tours and sell the records. <laughs> um, so that it's, I don't know. It's interesting that um, what, what made you eventually realize that, that it was like a different, a whole different thing or um, I don't know. What did it look like after that? Um, Luckily I had some friends who were like, Hey man, like have you ever thought about not just, playing shows like three blocks from where you live your entire life yeah like have you ever thought about not just going and getting hammered and like maybe like promoting the shows and maybe booking shows in places you haven't been not playing the same bar six times in a month and just like helpful suggestions from friends (laughs) totally um and you you kind of started catching on or being like oh there's a pattern here um, I still drank pretty hard and didn't do anything for a little while. I was still fucking off. Um, but eventually your, your right to do as an American. Yeah. Anymore. Like I'm, I was, I was young. I was young and I just wanted to get drunk, listen to sad songs at the bar and play sad songs at the bar. Like that's all I wanted to do. Um, yeah, was, I get that. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time doing just that. So I get it. But eventually like I did, I started, like I'd book weekend runs through like I'd do Greensboro, Raleigh up through Virginia. That's where I met David Hot. Um okay, cool. I used to, I started doing those two or three times a week and then um I'd start trying to like reach out and like make connections with people who could help me like book shows further away and further away. Um and really right around the time that Dawn and I met was when all of that was starting to like click in my head. And like she said, we met in June and by December we were on tour. And, and what June of what year? Sorry. I'm, I'm completely, I'm like, wait, last June or <laughs> we've been together four years. So yeah, yes, 2016, 2016 sounds right. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, cool. So June, 2016, we start, uh, we start seeing each other and we start singing as a duo. And at first we called ourselves Bob Fleming and the drunk girl chorus, Nice. which at first we were like, Oh, that's such a, that's a sick name. But at the end of it, we were like, ah, it kind of starts to sound like a joke name and yeah, I'm not really sure. into it. So we changed, that's when we changed it to the Cambria iron company eventually. But is um, there any significance behind Cambria iron? Company there is. Or? The Cambria Iron Company was the main employer in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, up through the, I believe it was the late 70s, early 80s. They were active through, I think, the early 90s was when they shut down for good. But uh, my grandfather worked there. His dad worked there. 
Um, have you ever seen the, the movie Slapshot, the hockey movie? Yeah. Do you know the steel yeah. mill that shuts down in the movie? Uh-huh. That was filmed in Johnstown. That was the Cambria Iron Company. Really? Yeah. My dad okay. was in that. My dad was an extra in Slapshot, and he, like, used to play softball with the Hanson brothers. Really? Yeah. That's wild. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the significance cool, that's behind That's cool background. No, I, I really dig that. That's, uh, I love... So much of that hits close to home, but my my upbringing was in the Southwest. But very, yeah, very similar. I can I get I can get behind that. Yeah, I was I was stoked on it, and like I said, it. I forget. I think it might have been Quinn who gave me this advice. It was like pick something from your town that has significance, like a a, a business, like not a business, but like a building or like something else like i think it was jason isbell in the 400 unit the 400 units the name of a mental ward where they're from i think uh-huh yeah but uh he gave me the advice to like pick something and you're where you're from that's like has some kind of significance with that so that's where we got the cambria iron company i i love that i think that's uh that's really cool of course Qu- quinlan's uh he's a he's a sage human being he is the big brother that i never never had <laughs> really yeah that's uh i've i i don't know if i've got like a very similar um yeah i guess i could call him like a big brother in a lot of ways i met him on a day that was like a significantly like a life-changing moment like a day that was like um like coming up from rock bottom and then you meet quinlan who's like Dude, I've been sober seven years. Shit's great, man. Relatable. And I'm like, I'm like on day one of sober, and like I meet Quinlan of any, you know, of, of all the people in fucking every VFW in Montana. I meet fucking <laughs> Quinlan Conley. Quinlan Conley is, a, is the patron saint of of battered people, <laughs> battered yeah, touring uh, musicians. God damn it! I mean that that motherfucker. I'm gonna have to give him a call soon. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was that's uh, that's cool. He uh, he was definitely one of those people like the next day I was like, well, I survived yesterday and I met Quinn. I think I can survive a few more days. Right. It was like it was pretty, uh, pretty significant for me. So I'll always have a very uh, soft place in my heart for that human being. I love him in a very kind of similar fashion. We met Quinn. In a not rock bottom in the same way, but we uh, we were on tour and then like three or four shows in a row canceled on us. We were on our way to Austin to try and record something and like we're we were in Kansas and it was just like, uh, well, now what? And as it so happened, a friend of mine, Dylan, does a big or used to do a big birthday bender, a bunch of shows out at um, Westport Saloon and kc and uh i was like well we're almost there like let's just go to the bender and see what ha- like it's a place where people are playing music and we're musicians with nothing to do like let's totally. just go so we landed there and told a couple of friends our story and of course like the community just rallied and was like look do not sweat it you know here's a beer on my tab like here some our friend tommy was like here's the key to my hotel room at america's best worst in 
and like go get a shower like there's beers in the fridge like chill out for a second and we were like trying to pull ourselves back together and we go to the Westport saloon that night and uh someone introduced us to Quinn and they were like oh he was was just like sitting at the bar like sewing patches onto his vest (laughs) (laughs) and we just get to talking to him and it was like just the angel of that man we were so down about everything that was happening and Quinn Quinn is the perfect person to meet in that scenario because he's like I also have no idea what I'm doing but I'm gonna be you know cool about it (laughs) yeah let's just do that together friend and we swapped CDs because he was on tour then too uh just by it was him and handsome in the in the blazer just Um, rolling around the country and everybody loves handsome right handsome dog (laughs) rock and roll and uh we traded CDs and it was just like I just remember Bob calling him in the car and it was like, we cannot stop listening to this album. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you guys this too. Like, and eventually it wound out like, Hey, do you guys want to, you know, you're always on tour. I'm always on tour. We're touring in the same places. Like, do you guys just want to make tour together? And we probably spent like <laughs> six, months. six months easy, just like either with Quinn or going to meet Quinn. Like we For went sure. from, we, we swam in both oceans within two weeks. Within two weeks yeah. and on tour with Quinn, like we were in the, yeah, it was such a fun, crazy time. We still text about that, that summer sometimes. And it was like, man, those were the good days. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a similar experience with my friend Trace. He and I did the same thing in his van for like two years, just me, him and his dog. And, uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, every once in a while, like I don't hear from him that often. He's like, gotten married and has a career went to grad school like being a real grown-up um, <laughs> on a house somebody's uh, got to do it right yeah some, someone's got to do it because you know like those jobs gotta exist i guess i don't know um <laughs> <laughs> uh the the um i don't know every once in a while we'll we'll text or about something or i'll send him a picture like when john prine died he introduced me oh. to john prine so oh. i text trace and was just like hey but i don't want you to hear it from anyone else but like john prine just passed away and then he and i reminisced about drunkenly trying to make our way through a handful of john prine tunes at at a handful of shows oh man (laughs) yeah so man good good people sorry we i'm getting off you guys got me distracted just reminiscing (laughs) about the road it's we'll spend a whole episode just talking to you about quinlan conley yeah, that's um, I'm, I'm sure we might have to do a birthday episode or something for him yes. where he's not even on the podcast. We're just it's just like I'm getting different people to talk about. <laughs> just a panel of people talking about how good he is. This is perfect. Yeah. Oh, man, that guy. Yeah, that guy really he, he really that I can't even explain how that day it was like. And I got to see my friend Georgia that same day. And she's like just a a ray of sunshine of a human being and it was like i don't know it was it was if if you ever need hope that's the day that i would hope to have um and yeah i don't know anyways i'm i'm still here to tell the the tale and get distracted about it so so thank you quinlan um uh i wanted to ask you now so so since 2016 you guys have been on the road quite a bit it seems like um, and it's, it's, uh, I think you kind of, at some point my, like my buddy, Bob Hogue, who produced one of my records and he produced, uh, my old band's record back when I was like 21 
and just kind of been a, a mentor uh, in a lot of ways ever since. He introduced me to the word lifer. And he was just like, I'm, I'm a lifer. I'll be playing, like dri- driving around the country in shitty vans with smelly dudes or smelly people and um, playing rock and roll music until the day I die. It's just, it's just who I am. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, ha- like I feel like it's almost a thing you, I don't know, you have to accept. Like, have you, do you feel like you guys are at that point? Do you guys feel like what, what's the, the plans for the future? Or like, I don't know, when do you feel like you hit that point when you were like, I don't really want to do anything else? I think about by the time we hit the North Carolina state line on that first tour in December, we were already kind of there. Um, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, rock and roll or die. Like that is yeah. that, that's the five year yeah. plan. Rock and roll or die. Not not to bring up yes. Quinlan Conley again, but he's got a, <laughs> a line in one of his songs where it ends. This van could be my casket. I'm already home, and that's it. Yeah. Like, oh shit, we're gonna yeah, I'm, we're gonna tour until inevitably diabetes takes me out, and then <laughs> don't say that. And then we're gonna go from there. I fucking. I fucking love that. And you, as soon as you crossed the North Carolina line, as you said, that's a, that's kind of how I felt about my first tour. And I was 19 and terrified, but also like, this is all I'd ever wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's still in those, like, cause touring is also the hardest. And like I said, the day I met Quinn was like a very, the possibly the lowest point in my life. And, uh, up till this point, uh, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> Uh, and touring doesn't like it exacerbates it, you know, like me, whatever I was going through that day was purely cause I'd been on the road for three and a half months, pretty much by myself and oh, was God, yeah. straight up losing my fucking mind. Yeah. Um, and didn't know like what the difference between like the conversations I was having with myself in my head with other, like with other people in my head or like actual conversations I, w- I had had with people. Like I was like just straight up losing my fucking mind. And the road was a big reason behind that. And uh, I I don't know. Have you like it? It's rock and roll or die. But like, how do you how do you deal with the Sunday scaries or whatever? Which is like kind of the everyday scaries on the road. We don't have weekends, so every day is scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's tour. It's the road. You're gonna have weird nights and things that you wanted to happen not happen things you didn't want to happen to definitely happen um Mm -hmm. and so yeah you can definitely run into some points where you're like is this worth it what am i doing um but i you know going back to quinlan conley again we did a lot of touring with him and so a lot we had some low moments where it was like all of us and Bob literally just snuck outside to have a cigarette. That's no, hilarious. <laughs> I'm like telling his friends, like he's gonna just go smoke with the microphone. Kudos, man. Hey, no, good, um, good for if I still smoked, I'd figure out a way to be smoking while I'm doing podcast. <laughs> but I remember specifically after that, you know, JP show that oh, we were all yeah. so down that we were like, we like scooted across the Orion. We were in Massachusetts, we and we to Lowell, went to Lowell. yeah. Mickey, we went over. We we're gonna go see Mickey Ward's boxing. That's gym right. Like we just like took off and drove through the night and found a Taco Bell. And as we were like sitting there, standing outside of our cars in a parking lot somewhere, eating our Taco Bell, Quinn just goes, "Yeah, it's still the best damn job I ever had." Amen. <laughs> and it was like, man, you know what? You're right. Like you're gonna have shitty days at 
every job that you do or everything that you do, like, you know, there's going to be shitty times and shitty days. But for me, for us getting up the next day and getting to do rock and roll all over again, like, I don't mean it's the best damn job I ever had. And I think the way, yeah, at least the way I feel about it is this is pretty much one of the few things in life I've ever been like good at. (laughs) I'm not good at, (laughs) yeah. I'm I'm not good at holding a job where I have to have like a boss who's gonna. Right, you're be good at boss. lots of things, but listening to authority is not one at, of them. I'm good at rabble rousing fellow workers yeah. <laughs> and getting fired for it, and I'm good at playing music. And like, it's kind of makes it sustainable. It's like I'm gonna be. I mean, I've. I think at this point in 2020, like everybody, whether diagnosed or not, has some sort of like mental illness they're dealing with like mine happens to be depression and Mm -hmm. it's definitely still there on the road but i think it goes back to what i said earlier is like it's on my terms yeah and that helps a lot with that totally no that's uh it's so true and that was um a lot of what i was going through when i'm when i met quinlan and and like in the the months and years after um stems from depression and and substance abuse. And it was, uh, um, at some point I had to, you know, like Quinlan saying that the best, still the best damn job I ever had. I remember at some point thinking to myself, it was like, you can either keep like drinking and partying like you are. And it was never even like that bad. It was just bad enough that it was just, I was just, it was a perpetuating cycle of depression. For sure. I, I couldn't deal with myself and didn't like myself. So then I drink to kind of like fast forward to the next day because I just needed to just like be outside of whatever that moment was. And then that would just spiral after, you know, a, a few weeks or whatnot into just really, really not liking myself. And so I, what I had to realize about being on the road is like my first, not my first time, but like this time of getting sober, it was like I was on tour having a great time. Like I had a couple of shows coming up on my birthday and or my birthday weekend and like a wedding also. I was like, okay, I'm going to drink and enjoy my weekend and I'm going to take a break from drinking on Monday. We'll see what it's like. And I was on this tour and everything for the rest of the tour just went so well that I was just like, okay, maybe I'm just going to keep not drinking. And then before I knew it, it was like a year for sure. And I was just like, and I had this realization at some point along the line or on that tour, it was like, okay, so if I have to choose between alcohol and tour or playing rock and roll music it's going to be rock and roll music 10 days out of 10 days absolutely fucking dude like and so it was like okay well it's not even a choice you know and now it's like my goal was to hit a year and i've gone over that and i'm like uh, like i might have a beer down the road i might you know whatever but it's like it's never going to be a thing. Like I'm never letting it get in the way of rock and roll or just like me living the life I want to live. So I hear you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. man. It's uh, um, what, what have you guys learned? Cause I, I mean, I've learned, I have to like, if tour is going to go the best it possibly can, I have to be active. Any chance I get, I have to be going on a run or hitting the gym. Um, or I and I can't can't be drinking. Um, what what have you have you all come up with? Like, do you have certain like self care tips or like whatever it is that helps you not f- flip your shit on your bandmates? Um, 
<laughs> we didn't have like too many struggles with that when it was just the two of us because it's like it's almost like being by yourself but there's still someone else there to drive sometimes yeah <laughs> um but I don't I don't remember us having like too many struggles with that but we were also touring with Quinn a lot too so it For like sure. spread out everyone was really level-headed like at the time you know Bob and Quinn didn't drink I still drank at the time but like I would like to believe I was not that bad um we just won't talk about it <laughs> but um since we started touring with other people I would definitely say just like I learned for myself and I, I've known this from like other relationships, but I had to like relearn it in the van is like, I have to figure out a way to have even just like 15 minutes of me alone by myself time. Like oh, okay. if I just like go, we take our dog a lot when we tour cause he's really good. And uh, so he's a really good way for me to do that. Like, Oh, I have, I have to get up in the morning and it helps me keep a schedule, which makes me a little less insane, but it's like, I have to get up. I have to feed the dog. I have to walk the dog, you know? So we yeah. get up, we go walk. Or when we get to the show, I'm like, all right, let's, you know, while you guys are like petering around doing whatever, the other boys are getting drinks or what have you. I'm like, I'm going to go walk the dog. And then I get just like a little bit of time. That's just me. And yeah. it helps me not like go off on other people as much, but also like talking to people before it becomes that issue. Like, Hey man, I might seem a little grumpy when you do that. And it's because it gets on my nerves. <laughs> yeah. And luckily the, the band that we have now is like everybody in the band is real. They're good boys. They're all real goofy, which is great because mm -hmm. it, it's never boring. And We've oh, gotten yeah. super lucky with like everybody that's in the band really wants to be in the band. And like they drink, that's but awesome. they're not like fall down drunk yeah. party. They're not big partiers, I no. guess. Like they don't yeah. want to stay in rage at the bar. Like I think the drunkest I have ever seen them actually get was when we played that really nice brewery. Oh my God. In, in DC. DC. And they're all they craft beer guys. So they were like, oh, <laughs> finally. <no. laughs> One of the, somebody's back hair got lit on fire in the hotel room that night. <laughs> that, yeah. That's oh, like no. the wildest that they got. It's like they went back to the hotel room and goofed off with each other. <laughs> but like they're, they're all like super, they're real. They're, they're, they want to be in the band and they put that first as far as, like nobody's gonna go like while we're on tour and get like fucking like they're not gonna go on tour and they're not gonna get like super wasted to the point that they're not gonna mm -hmm. play the set or anything like that. They so, get arrested we, or some shit. Right. I've I, like, <laughs> disappear in the middle the of the worst night. We have to worry about is our keyboard player Ben really loves cows. So if he's driving <laughs> and there's a cow pasture and he sees it, like we might all die. We might wreck. Yeah. But like aside oh, no. from that, like we're we're really. Like, I don't want to say the word blessed because like it I always hashtag blessed. Like, I always, yeah, hashtag blessed. We're hashtag blessed though with the, the band we have. They're great. <laughs> and I think yeah. to keep Bob saying on tour, it's just a steady diet of diet coke and iced coffee. And hot dogs. Like, cause I don't I don't drink either. So as long as I have plenty of cigarettes and enough caffeine to kill a horse and like the yeah. occasional roller dog, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's awesome to know. Very even temperament. I'm like a I'm just a moody fucking temperamental assholes so like <laughs> i uh i gotta make sure my levels are all right so i don't like lose my shit on not not and it's not even in like like it's what's funny is i'll, I'll like uh say something to my like my drummer matt one time we were loading in for a gig in, in montana um and 
I was just stressed out because we had gotten there late and it's like one of those four hour gigs. So we just got to play all night. And I know I'm just, I don't even have the energy to get through an hour and, and I'm just stressed out. And he's, and I was just like, I look at him. I was like, I fucking hate this shit. And I was like, I don't know why I do this. And then like, um, then we play the gig and it turns out to be amazing. And it's just like a lot of fun. We got like the whole crowd dancing until they straight up are like, we're turning the lights on. Everybody has to go. <laughs> it was just like a fucking great night. Just playing thin Lizzie like three times in a row. Just because it's like, they're dancing. Let's keep doing it. I just um, want to go on record and say too, like, if you don't like thin Lizzie, then fuck you. <laughs> oh, dude. Agreed. I have fuck, okay. Quinn got me a sticker that says that. And we have it on the side of our van. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god fucking goddamn right that's hilarious dude it was i think that would in livingston that that show happened oh my Quinn god of course because he was he was doing a he had he was doing a holiday show or something so he was like not getting much sleep or i can't remember what it was but yeah my but then i i had to stop and be like matt afterwards and just or the next day be like like I bought everybody breakfast and just because I feel bad when I snap at someone like that, which isn't even like snapping, but like I buy everybody <laughs> breakfast. And I'm just like, hey, man, I'm so sorry for snapping at you like that. That was such a fun show. I was just really stressed out. And he's just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't drink anymore, but I still smoke a way too much weed. And yeah. so just everything that comes out of my mouth, I'm just like paranoid about oh and, if it makes uh, you feel any better like i don't do anything other than coffee and cigarettes and i still have that with 99 percent of the things i say <laughs> okay so you're saying i don't need to quit smoking weed no, no. Man, not blaze up hell yeah cool i like the i like these guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's also oh, the secret ingredient that keeps me calm on tour we, we are pro weed and pro union labor in this band <laughs> <laughs> fucking goddamn right where do i sign up <laughs> don't worry bob will probably uh, need the bob will probably pull you in the band at some point yeah i mean at some point like the goal is like to have the budget version of the e street band <laughs> like oh hell yeah we'll have like the q street band where it's like 40 members <laughs> and they're all just real stoned <laughs> Um, I think we can make some really beautiful music that way. I, as I've aged, I've gotten more and more into Bruce Springsteen and the Grateful Dead. So, you know, I'm a very cliche white dude, but my guitar playing has become incendiary. <laughs> oh, man. that's I love the tangents because I try and, like, write out questions, and I think I've gotten through three of them. And I, don't, and I think we... <laughs> I think we've answered all of them. I mean, three of like eight. So like, it's not like I'm, it's not like a bunch, but like we've answered all of them in like our roundabout way of just like talking about shit, which is like makes for the best episodes. I love it. I love it. So you said you're going into the studio in December. Yes. And uh, where are you recording again? In uh, Bloomington, Indiana at Russian Recording. Oh, hell yeah. And you said Jason Molina's recorded there? Yeah, Jason Molina's recorded there. Murder by Death's recorded there. Damien Gerardo's recorded there. Um, M. Ward. Um, so you're pretty much naming like every band that I've just fucking loved since high school. Right, like me too. <laughs> like I was sold out. Like when I found out that Magnolia recorded an EP there, I was sold. Yeah, for sure. That's so dope. Um I uh, the guy who played pedal steel on my new record that I'm sitting on and lap steel actually used to tour with Jason Molina. And, oh my god! Uh, it was like just this happenstance that his name's Mike Brennan and he's just 
fucking legend, but he just uh, happens to live like two blocks from the studio. And Joe, my producer, was just like, yeah, he." Uh, I'm like on the phone with him. We're setting it up. The session's up months before. And he's like, and he's like talking to his business partner, like on the phone, like, or like I'm on the phone and I hear him be like, wait, what, who did, who did Mike used to play with? And then I hear his business partner, Kyle in the background be like, oh, Magnolia Electric Company. And I was just, he's like, Jason Molina. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. Like he didn't even have to, he didn't even have to relay it. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're good. Oh my God. (laughs) And that's how, oh man, the guy who's, who produced mother Mary, um, He's doing mm-hmm. the production on this one as well. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, aside from it being like, oh my God, Magnolia recorded there and all of us are total nerds for Jason Molina. Like mm-hmm. we all do, we play in the, they play, they have a tribute band. Uh, the other boys in our band have a, a Jason Molina tribute band called Through the Static and Distance. And like, we're all like oh, super wow. nerds as far as that goes. Actually, that's how the guys that are in our band now, the first time that I oh, met yeah. a lot of them, Bob and I, they used, they set up um, these music care shows uh, for, and so the music that comes in from the shows all goes back to Jason Molina's family. And uh, oh, wow. so they would play as through the static and distance and they would have other artists sign up. And so you would do, I think it was like two of your songs and two cover songs. Yeah. Two Molina songs, two of your own. And so Bob was like, Hey, I'm going to play the show. Do you want to come play it with me? And I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. I think that was actually the night I did the double show. I did a burlesque show yeah. at Snug Harbor. And then I ran around the corner to Petra's and we yeah. did that Molina show. Um, but that was how I met the guys that are in our band now is the first time they were playing Jason Molina songs at a show like for him that's so dope <laughs> i i need to what are their names we, i meant to ask you guys when you were talking about them oh earlier. yeah um on drums we've got brandon betts we call him b betts um on bass we've got ryan southwell and on keys and backup guitar we've got ben born um oh, we nice. had a, a lead guitar player hunter good um, up until about six months ago or so, I think like right in the winter was when yeah. he left, um, which is, wasn't like a, like a bad thing, but it definitely did feel like a breakup. Like what you're talking about. Well, it felt yeah. like, you know, your best friend, it, like when you were a kid and your best friend had to move away, that's oh. kind of what it felt. Cause, uh, Hunter has his own band velvet devils. And, uh, he was like, you know, he, and is a father and, you know, you have to have some kind of job to, support a lifestyle and so between all of those things he was like i and he ran himself ragged all that time in our band like trying to cover all of that and he was like i just love it i want to keep doing it but i'm gonna die if i keep doing two bands a toddler and my job right and like luckily it was like an amicable thing and like we're still real good friends i talk to him all the time anytime i see like a real cool les paul or a gibson that i want like i send him pictures of it at like four in the morning and like we we're still good know, friends, yeah. but call um, me boys. Honestly, I think I, I'm. It's pushed me to grow as a guitar player, having to fill in lead so much mm-hmm. that I'm kind of like grateful that it happened. Like I've I'm, yeah, I mean, those are the times for growth, and those are you know it's an important thing to remember, like when you're hit, hitting those like those things that this feels like a break of this feels really shitty or whatever is like, this is an opportunity for growth, exactly. not an opportunity for me to like make this worse than it is. Cause it's already shitty. We've all acknowledged that. Right. But th- let's make this a growth moment. Not like a, sh- let's not just dig this into a shittier hole and lose three months of my life to being sad about it. Right. right. 
And like, which is something I've done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. And I yeah, have so too. I try and warn other people. <laughs> I've, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about the way the band sounds right now. And with this new record, I feel like it's like, I liked mother Mary a lot. I was really proud of that one. And this, yeah, this, record. this new one, it's just, I finally feel like we have like a distinct sound of like mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. And I feel like it's some of the best writing I've ever done musically. Like I, I learned how to play slide guitar for this record. So I can do some like Lowell George, real clean slide guitar solos and stuff. And cool. And I think it's going to be really relatable for people coming out of, ho- hopefully right. we'll be coming out of the pandemic right. next yeah. year. Uh, a, a sad rock and roll record about depression, racism, and uh, <laughs> the struggle of the working class. <laughs> Always. Sounds, sounds exactly what this country needs more of. <laughs> and exactly like, well, not exactly like, but, you know, same shit I'm trying to make. It's I, I'm so looking forward to hearing it. I'll send you a couple of the demos over uh, here in a couple of weeks. We're doing pre-production in October and I'll send you some demos. Oh, that would be dope. Yeah. And I'll send you, I've got a single off the new record coming out next month, but I'll get you. That's like the one that I wanted the record out before the election, but it just because of COVID and a bunch of other things just right. wasn't going to happen for sure. Mm-hmm. And so instead of leading with the first single that I'm like, this is the best first single I'm leading with the, like, this is the song that needs to be out before the election. So I'm releasing that first. And then hopefully that doesn't, you know, I don't know the way I said it to my team or whatever you want to call them was just like, I, I know this isn't the right way to do it, but every time I do things the right way, nothing seems to work out. So why don't we just fucking do it this way? Right. <laughs> you know, like okay. who the fuck cares? Like the whole world's been shut down for six months. Right. Right. Like, like what are the are the album police gonna show up and be like, dude, that is not how you do that. <laughs> totally. Dude, that's the that's like in my head they are it's like I'm oh the yeah same i way, thought though. you were gonna put this record out by by october like what are you doing oh now you're talking february come on you're letting everybody down nobody uh, nobody's waiting for this record you're not letting <laughs> yeah. anyone down like I nobody but us knows i do that shit yeah. to myself every day <laughs> it's it's just funny to acknowledge it i think that's like um Yes, I have been to therapy and I know like and I go to go to it quite a bit and I'm a big proponent of it. Therapy's but a great thing. That's what's um what's helped me in a lot of these ways too is just like oh, it's acknowledge it, it's shitty or whatever and it's like and then you take a moment to be like or you're not reacting to things, you're t- giving yourself a chance to like um oh man, what was the word my therapist used? I've said this on the podcast before. But instead of reacting, you um, responding, I, respond, maybe that's I, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, damn. Oh, well, who cares? No, <laughs> it'll come back taking, to you way, way later. It's like it's like having more of an informed, um, you know, making informed decisions as, as opposed to just reacting in the moment. And yeah, uh, um, that's important and to can maintaining relationships especially with yourself absolutely Um, my therapist would always say that um, go ahead just that he would always say that like the talking is the therapy so even if like you need to sit down and like have a conversation with yourself about what just happened like the talking is the therapy like you have to take time with that stuff so like you know oh god what am i gonna do am i gonna crash and burn like okay well maybe but i'll get back up and i'll like 
dust myself back off instead of just letting the thoughts like run crazy wild and like you say immediately reacting to it totally yeah well and i mean that's sometimes it's that that moment to realize like i might get my ass kicked oh i've got my ass kicked before right you know (laughs) i'll be okay i don't need to respond in a way that's like don't you don't need to be dramatic about like this or like i don't know dramatic is such a such a um i don't know loaded word so i don't like to but you know what i mean like i it's more I don't know. It's more just like I have an anxiety disorder and this is how I talk to myself inside my own head too. I'm like, why are you being so dramatic? <laughs> and then you second guess using the word dramatic because you're like, Yeah. Come on, I, I love myself. I'm not dramatic. I don't I should, you don't have to talk about yourself that way, Don. Yeah. And then before you know it, you've got like six different personalities and every single one of them hates you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all just hate who you are. <laughs> And this is oh, why man. we're in therapy. <laughs> yeah. And this is why it's best that I'm not uh, taking the, the wrong substances and seeing a therapist at least every other week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Tangents aside, I wanted to, um, I wanted to end with um, one. Do either of you have any like stories of like a story you've got to share about the road about either like a really low point or a moment like of being restored faith in humanity or um, kind of like my buddy Casey, Cow- Casey Kawaguchi said to me years ago, like the universe re- like rewards like the risk taker. The road provides. Um, the road, the provides. road provides. Yes. Yeah. Rock and roll provides. Yeah. Totally. Do you have a do you have a, a little anecdote about that? I think these things are really important mm. for people to keep in mind or just to like know it's like real because some cause shit gets really dark, but like life also goes on unless it doesn't. And then like, what are you worried about? Yeah, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know uh, we, we already talked about kind of that, that low point out in Casey that came back around because that's how we met Quinn. And mm-hmm. that was like a life changing, you know, we it could have possibly given up so many times if we had not had that like sturdy friend to reach out to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of already went there. I'm trying. And I mean, we left out of that situation and because of uh, how people helped us through, like, you know, I don't, I don't think we ended up getting to play that way. Oh no, we played at, at Weaver's house mm-hmm. a little bit. And so we got some tips off of that. People bought a ton of merch off of us. So like really our community, like we were in a really bad spot. We had no money. Like we didn't have anything And our community, the music community, like rallied around us and said like, here, go take a shower. Here's a sandwich. Here's a beer. Like here's a place to sleep here. Let me buy your merch. You know, here's a really cool dude. That's going to change your life. And so we left out of what could have been the worst weekend of our lives, like being able to make it down to Austin, Texas and, and do the little bit of recording that we wanted to do out at a uh, million dollar sound and uh, make it, we stopped at uh, Hank Williams's grave and we made it back home and like a tour that could have been a full on, should have been a full on disaster. I mean, got us all the way home, like the road provided. And yeah. that's, I think what I was going to touch on is is the same thing. It's like, I've never on tour on the road. I've never been in a situation that didn't end up how it was supposed to end up. Like maybe not how we wanted it. Maybe not how we planned it, but we, we always got to where we were supposed to be. Like there was a, 
we used to go up to New England and we'd do like a month touring New England because it was like 40 minute drives and like it was awesome. Yeah. But there was a time where we had like three days off in a row because shows had canceled and like the last time we'd come up there, we had met a guy named Mike Den who owns a bar called The Shaskeen in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, who ended mm-hmm. up being one of our really good friends. And he put us in touch with this guy who has a radio show in Concord, New Hampshire. Um, and he called, let us sleep in his really cool basement. Yeah. And he, it's called Granite State of Mind was the name of the radio show. And through him, we met this guy who owns a place called Area 23 in Concord, who ended up having us come out and play like a few songs for his open mic night that he did every week in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere, New Hampshire. Oh, they fed us so much food. They fed us a ton of food. They gave us like three hundred dollars. They gave, yeah, Quinn was with us on that one too, and they gave us like a bunch of like cold cuts and cheese for the road, and like we went from being how are we gonna get food and gas tomorrow to instantly being okay just because of people that we've met through doing this. And that night was when we saw. Do you remember that? She was like a fifteen or sixteen year old girl who had been playing guitar for like a year, and she oh, yeah. she was like the only person that was playing her own songs. And she was you could tell she was nervous, but she was already like so so good. And her, yeah. and her parents stayed, and they watched all of us play. And she like made a point to like come over and say like, "Hey, I think what you guys are doing is like really really cool." And I you know I want to be a musician today. And I just remember Quinn looking at her and being like, "You." are a musician right now right. and it was just like my heart is like, gonna explode i just wanted to oh give her my, my guitar God. and my notebook because like i have no need for this anymore here you go <laughs> yeah it was like it's and so, so we left not only cool. like financially set up a little better and and with sustenance for our bodies but like our hearts were also filled because like we got to watch this you know young up-and-coming musician and probably one day she's gonna be like selling out arenas and we're still gonna be <laughs> cruising around in a 1986 dodge ram van that's a sweet <laughs> van it's a sweet van if the, if the motor runs in the tranny don't blow fucking ride that thing till the wheels fall out. absolutely right? <laughs> and like that's it yeah, sort of the, became a joke of like especially when we were on tour with quinn because we legitimately just car caravan for six months with him all over this country like 42 mm-hmm. states and like it became a joke anytime we got stressed out like one of us would just start smirking and go rock and roll provides or the road provides and sure as shit enough it always does one way or the other oh when we played the the weed mountain oh yeah we played a grow up in california where the same kind of thing happened it was it was wild i need to hear this story okay oh Um, god so you because you're you're telling this is my fantasy (laughs) okay so here we go this is did you ever watch that uh, Murder Mountain documentary on Netflix? About uh, no, it's like about my, Humboldt County and all that. Yeah, my roommate's been trying to get me to watch it because he spent last summer in Humboldt County growing weed and got robbed at gunpoint twice. It's so wild to watch it after you've right. been through there. <laughs> on top of the mountain in that movie, so like go watch it and it'll make sense. But like we were in the middle of uh, like California, like. We were super broke, but like we were stoked because like we'd never been to California before. Oh, we um, drove through the redwoods and stuff. And it was gorgeous, rough, beautiful. But um, we had some friends out there who were working on a grow up that we met up in New England, for, and they were in a band called Bears Don't Care. 
and they were like, oh my God, you guys are in town. Like you should come up and no, play. No, she this. actually set that show up in Garberville. Oh, the one at Stone uh, Stone Junction. Yeah, yeah. Um, we played that show and yeah. they came to it and then they were like, well, what are you guys doing tomorrow? And we we're like, well, it's Monday, so nothing because we're touring musicians and no one booked us a show on Monday. And she was <laughs> like, oh, well, this place we work is having a big to do and we have some bands coming. If you guys want to come play, we'll swing you. I, you know, I think again, it was like... Lucky. 300 or 400 bucks right. like we'll swing you guys a couple hundred bucks each because quinn was with us then as well and we needed tires so and, yeah so it was like all right here we go and so they couldn't we were like give us the address we'll gps it and she was like you can't gps it <laughs> <laughs> so it was like you know gps to this spot and then go this way and turn up here and when you see this go this way well we Bob and I toured in a Honda Element at that point, and they were not meant to drive up mountains. Like that's not they don't enjoy it, especially not in the hundred and ten degree California heat. <laughs> yeah, so the our car starts to overheat as we're going up, and Quinn's following behind us. So we have to like kind of surprising pull. how poorly it handles the elements. <laughs> Zing! So we have Sorry. to like pull over. <laughs> And we're letting the car heat down. And I'm like, everything feels like it feels kind of weird. I'm kind of creepy. I like look back at Quinn. He's like making eye contact with me. Like, are you feeling how creepy this is? And it was like, yeah, me too. And I think we both kind of noticed at the same time, like there was definitely like people in the woods around us, like watching to see what we were doing because we were driving up to a place that we ought not be and we ought not definitely be stopping. So yeah. we're waiting on the car to cool down and our friends that, that got us set up here call and she's like, where are you guys at? So I tell her like, hey, my car is overheating. So we are like, we're this far up the mountain and we're waiting on the car to cool down. Like we're doing everything we can. And she was like, okay, we're on the way. And like just in a few minutes, you could see this big like cloud of, of dust being kicked up because like a truck and two ATVs are like just barreling down the mountain towards us and they have guns and stuff and they're like you guys okay everything okay and it was like oh fudge where are we what have we done <laughs> but we got up there and we had a great time we played with cousin boneless and they fed us a ton of food and you know just we hung out and partied and had fun and I ended up in the hospital the next day, dehydrated. Yeah, we they there wasn't oh, a lot of access to water. And since Bob and Quinn don't oh, drink no. at that, so you know, I was drinking at the time. They were not, and they were like, uh, "I guess we'll have some juice." Uh, and so, yeah, we ended up having to really, literally peel out of there first thing in the morning the next day because uh, Bob got dehydrated, and for type one diabetic, that's insanely dangerous. So he was throwing up everywhere, and we drove. <laughs> to uh an emergency room and he got fixed up ship shape and we left out but it was just like so that was kind of an, a weird ending to Holy it smoke. but it's one of the coolest stories that well like we're going to be telling sure. this story when we're like old and grizzled in the nursing home you know well back in my day <laughs> you had to drive all the oh, way up yeah. the mountain to play a grow up i would play that <laughs> show every day for the next 30 days including the hospital visits just to feel something right now <laughs> But it, I mean, oh my God. we didn't know what we were going to do. And it, it came out on our end. We were able to go get the things fixed on the cars that we needed. And, you know, Bob was fine. He's yeah. fine. That'll buff out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... that's a great story. I, um, man, I, uh, I 
played a handful of shows. Or one time my buddy Trace and I were hiking in Big Sur. And because they're just like between, you know, like we'd go on these tours for like five weeks and have mostly shows set up. But like, you know, sometimes three days off in a row. So we're just like, let's sleep in the van in Big Sur for three days. Right. And we're like hiking and we had his dog. So we're hiking up the side of this mountain. We get, um, and we're just, or actually we're just following like a road. But we, as we get like, I don't know, three quarters of the way up the hill, all these dogs start barking and this woman comes out and she's like, I don't know, maybe we at the time were like 25. She was maybe 35. And she's like, hey, where are you boys going? And we're just like, I don't know, we're just walking the dog. She's like, "Uh, how about you go this way? And just like walks us back down the hill. (laughs) And it was just like, oh, we, that was a, that was definitely a grow up up there. (laughs) She was, she was just like, it was very much like, and in this authoritative way that like, I don't know. Certain people can just be like, "No, we're gonna walk this way," and I'm, and I'm like, "Okay, cool." Like, I'm not good with authority either, Bob. But like, this woman was just like, she was saving right. my life. Like sometimes she kind of mommed you. She kind of mommed oh, you. Like, mommed okay, me. sweetie, yeah. that's nice. Let's go back this way. Seriously, what's up, mom? You still listening? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now, now my mom's gonna be like, "Why do you do that?" <laughs> I don't know. I think it's great when people's parents, you know, listen to their their stuff and support them in that way. You know, my mom uh, came out to the milestone in Charlotte with my aunt and like watched me and Bob play, which is like, you know, our favorite dive bar in the whole world. And yeah. uh, it just it meant so much to me that she came maybe not into a place that was out of her element. But she's she's seen a dive bar, too, in her day, but maybe not like a punk rock one. Yeah. And uh I mean, they they totally made it their own, and it was just so nice to. I mean, Quinn's mo- Quinn's mom came to oh, our yeah. show when we played Andy out Conley. in Montana. You know, I, I just love Quinn's people's parents. The, the Murray Bar. Oh my ah! god, Annie Conley is a saint. Annie's the best. Yeah, I uh, no, it's a mom. The moms of rockers are, are a special breed. They, right. they raised us, so they got to be doing something. Okay, right. I guess. Like we've got dad rock. Like let's get some mom rock going. Mom rock. I think it's definitely on its way. I think, uh, I think is because like all of my favorite bands right now are like either all women bands or female identifying or female fronted bands. And I think it's like, that's going to turn into mom rock. I think, I don't know for sure. Probably. Cause like it, it, mom rock is really just going to be rock that moms listen to. And as you know, our generation's becoming the moms and the dads, the definition of mom rock and dad rock is going to be a little different. <laughs> right. Like more mom oh, rock, totally. less trapped. The, we have we have evolved past the need for trapped. Agreed. I agree. Um, <laughs> I actually, that three and a half month tour that I was on that I met Quinn on was called the Charles Ellsworth uh, Redneck Dad Rock World Tour. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. And because I noticed at some point that it didn't matter where I was, but the oldest drunkest dude in the bar was always going to buy the most merch and be the most stoked on what I was doing. Yeah. It's so true. Fucking dads dig what I do. And I don't fucking care. No, it's great. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm totally cool with it, but yeah. Redneck dad rock is, is what I like to call my music. I feel like we get a lot of like, maybe not biker couples, but couples that, want to emulate the biker lifestyle kind of yeah. you know what i'm they talking the about harley davidson shirt but might maybe not the bikes exactly right. yes yeah. like those <laughs> couples and i think it's especially because 
like we're a couple and we sing in the band and the wife's like, oh, I can get into this too. This is for me as well. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's super fun. Dope. What we got to do is when it's safe again, we got to go play Sturgis and rebrand it after this whole oh, fucking fuck. fiasco. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter get- if, if the rest of the world gets past coronavirus, Sturgis is still going to have it from now until eternity. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, I think South Dakota is just the land of fucking <laughs> COVID now. Fuck. I feel awful. I hope my buddy Wes, if he hears this, that I, he knows that he's in my thoughts. And, the Dakotas uh, are beautiful. Don't let COVID ruin them. Yeah, please. Let's not. Let's vote. Let's show up and vote this November. Um, wear our masks. Stay home when you can. Man, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I think uh, I feel really great about everything that went on. And I think I just made two new good friends. And I can't wait to hang out with y'all in person. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> this has been a great experience. Thank you. Hell yeah. Well, no, thank you. I'm so glad that we, we did this and that I um, I just had the idea. I was like, why don't I interview Bob and Don? So I'm stoked that I did. Is there anything else you guys want to leave us with? And, and if not, can you tell us where to find y'all online and, and how to consume your content so we can make you micro fractions of pennies? Absolutely. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as Bob Fleming and the Cambria Iron Company. Um, we're on Bandcamp as the same I keep saying it separately. We're on everything as Bob Fleming and the Cambria Iron Company. Actually, um, on Instagram, you can search at Bob Fleming Music and get Bob's personal page. And then right. there's at Cambria Iron Co. That's the band page. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And then on our Bandcamp page, you can listen to music there, download music there. We've got our merch store. Uh, we've got a bunch of merch left over from a year's worth of canceled tours that we're in the middle of. We're about to pick up vinyl records. Finally, finally a, a year, year after the album came out, <laughs> we've ran into so many trouble, so much trouble, like getting the vinyl pressed, but like we're picking it up oh, next no. week and shipping out. Oh, hell yeah. So we'll finally have vinyl and that's all on our band camp as well. Um, all of Bob's solo recordings are still yep. up on band camp. So you can get a there. taste of that. That's hell yeah we're on napster oh yeah i forgot we're on napster napster that's uh every once in a while in because i distribute through cd baby and every once in a while it shows that i made like six cents from Nap- napster yeah. it's like hell yeah we we I do through so easy disc music from them and uh <laughs> and now i'm making six cents every month off of them so. <laughs> it's poetic Thank justice you. for all the music we stole as kids <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate. I guess I, I wish that fifteen-year-old me knew how much, uh, how many peanut butter and honey tortilla wraps I had to eat because everybody else was fucking downloading. Music. <laughs> For sure, we found a thing. Like I was googling the band the other day just to see if like our Google page had updated, but apparently there's like a bunch of Slavic websites that are hosting download links to our records. So we're huge and. Uh, the Slavic countries. Fucking a, that's awesome. Just pretty dope. Right after we put the, it out, remember the the oh eBay yeah. people were somebody <laughs> was selling one of our vinyl on eBay for seventy bucks and it hadn't even come in yet. Like oh the, my god, a week before I the was like, man, out. how are they getting seventy <laughs> bucks for this? That's uh, that I remember in high school, eBay. I mean, eBay wasn't new in high school, but someone 
through my drummers. This is my my shitty like screamo band in high school. My drummer, my friend Anthony caught my drummer's like stick or got it after a show or something like that and then put it on eBay and someone bought it for like $30. What? <laughs> yeah, and it was just like we we'd played like three shows. We were like 16. It was just like <laughs> some asshole thought we were like an actual band. I don't know. But yeah, our buddy Anthony made 30 bucks made probably more money than we had made as a band at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always joke with people about like, come on tour with us. We'll make you tens of dollars. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Oh man. I, uh, God, I love it. I miss touring so much and talking with so you much. has made it, has made it a little bit better it, or, you know, made me miss it a little bit less. So right. I really appreciate it. And after we get done with this, I'm going to go load all of my gear into the van <laughs> and back three times. <laughs> And yeah, then just to just to feel something. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> what a great <laughs> workout a little... plan. Like just load the car twice a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we did nice. joke about turning our tour van into an Airbnb tour experience for people. Like you have to sleep <laughs> in the van and pee outside and like we'll put some peanut butter and bread in there. Yeah, somebody will come yeah. try to open the door in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> or like a cop will come like knock on the door with a flashlight like yo you can't park here yeah. you gotta move it can't park here sorry officer please don't shoot me <laughs> oh man i uh god this is this has been great we're we'll have to hit the road together for a bit quinn and i always talk about hitting the road and i'm, I'm mega tour I'm, everyone on tour do a mega tour go to we should go do it in Montana in the summertime so I can try and catch some fish on my fly fishing rod. Oh, oh, that sounds That's perfect. Where we, we did it out there in the summertime the last time we were there. It was yeah, we, amazing. What, the, the tour where we ended up in California on that mountain started in Montana. Like Bob and I played a festival in North Carolina, drove to Colorado, Colorado. played a show, and then drove straight to Montana, like, slept for like night. five hours, <laughs> and then played a show at a taco shop. Damn, that is... Those are some hauls. It's good that you have each other for that, though, because I've I've had a handful where it's like I drove from Detroit. This is my one of my last tours. I drove from playing a show in Detroit one night to play a midday thing in St. Louis the next morning. Ooh. And it's like just me. So I'm like, OK, well, I guess I'm going to finish this show in Detroit and buy like three energy drinks and drive <laughs> until I can't see anymore yep. and then wake and then sleep for three hours and wake up and drive and change my shirt and go play this show. Oh, yeah. We so that was Bob. how we kind of pulled that. That was Bob's like first. We're just going to pull off and sleep for a couple of hours and then keep driving situations like we let we played that show in Colorado and then we left and started driving. And he was like, well, I just don't know. We're not going to make it in time if we stop to sleep. And I was like, who's sleeping? Like, no one's sleeping tonight, uh, sir. No. Like, this is your Red <laughs> Bull and your job is to keep the CD player pumping. And trust me, like, we'll get there. And I think where were we? we were like in Wyoming and we stopped and slept for like three hours yeah. in the car and then started back up. It was wild. We did uh, Lake Tahoe, California cool. to Kearney, Nebraska in two days. Damn, Quinn had a... not slept that night when we started oh, no. that. So like uh, Quinn had stayed up all night and that, I think maybe he'd gotten like maybe two or three hours of sleep, like maybe. And we left, <laughs> we left at like eight in the morning and made that drive. And I was like, dude, are you going to be able to do this? And he's like, number one, I'm invincible. <laughs> and number two, yes. <laughs> oh man. God, he would be such a good person to be on tour with. Cause I just don't feel like, I don't think he'd just like let you get down. Even if he was feeling as down as anyone's ever felt, he wouldn't let you know it. 
Yeah, I mean, we definitely had, there was like a point where our car broke down in St. Louis and we, we put it at our friend Brad's house and Quinn was like, just, you know what, we're going to clear out some space. We're going to put, make some space in the blazer and the, me, you guys and handsome dog are, we're going to finish this tour together. Like we're finishing this tour. We're doing this. So we all piled in. So there's all of us, like Bob and Quinn in the front, me and Handsome in the back seat of the Blazer. All of our gear shoved into the trunk area of the Blazer, and we probably did another like two or three weeks of tour that way. Um, and so there would definitely be points where we're like all in the car, everyone's low, everyone's down, and Quinn would just be like, "Well, guys," ah, uh, and then tell some crazy ass story. Or something <laughs> like there would be some weird nugget of of inspiration that he had had, and it would be like, okay, it's all all right. We're all right. We're all all right. Oh yeah, he he'll tell you the story of the time the union workers fought off the um, Pinkertons at the yeah <laughs> so, the like, Pinkerton scum <laughs> yeah. Or even God if we were damn. in two cars, like he would just call us sometimes and be like, I can't drive by myself and talk to the dog anymore. So let me tell you a story. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. I, that's, those are the type of, like, that's the, that's why this lifestyle has always appealed to me is meeting people like Quinlan and being friends with them forever. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of, Quinn says hi. I'm texting him about this. <laughs> oh, really? Tell, tell him I said what's up. I'm gonna have to shoot him a text as soon as I'm as soon as I'm back on my phone. So but, it was um, like 50 percent Bantor and 50 percent Quinlan. I think yeah. we did a good job here. I think as the I think this the, is a good episode. Yeah, I think as the Quinlan Conley Booster Club, we did we did great. <laughs> yeah, I think he's definitely gonna have a good shot to be nominated to run for mayor. I hope somewhere governor, God, that would be amazing. governor, maybe. Yeah. You know, he's got to yeah, work. Gov- he's got to work his way <laughs> up there. You know, he's, he's for the yeah. people. Mayor of Livingston to Mo- to governor of Montana. I think, I think he could make that leap. Not many men could, but Quinlan. Conley you know, could. we'll all move to Montana <laughs> and support this campaign. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like Montana's on my short list of places to move when I leave New York city. Speaking Ours as well. Did you hear? Did you hear that? As soon as I'm like leave New York City, there's this like siren. Oh man, it's so so loud here. It's so loud here. I leave for two days and I come back and I'm like, what? How have I been here for six years? <laughs> <laughs> but I want to let you guys go. I don't want to take the rest of your night. Um, be sure to follow Cambria Iron Company or Bob Fleming and the Cambria Iron Company on all of the internet stuff. Um, you can. Find me at my website, charleselswithmusic.com. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, all of the things, just Charles Ellsworth. And uh, yeah, please listen to mine and Bob's and when and Don's music because it actually makes us money on online. It's not much, but it adds up. And share it with your friends. And thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Bob and Don, for being here. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, man. Bye.